matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. Okay, terrific. Language and writing were made available. He'll teach you everything. I'm writing this down. This is good stuff. Hey, I'm John. This is John. He helps you write better. And today we're going to write better. And I'm going to tell you a story about discovery or rediscovery and reconnection. Let's call it that. Now, I don't know if you know this, and and some of you probably do, and some of you probably don't, but prior to me really diving deep into coaching and really pushing a podcast and doing all the stuff I'm doing now, I carved out a small but I think respectable living working as an editor and developer in tabletop role-playing games. And when I say tabletop role-playing games, you're probably thinking of a few particular games from a few particular companies and chances are, yeah, I did work on them somewhere in some way, in some shape at some point. And I loved it. It was absolutely creative. I had a great time. Now it is important to point out, and it will be important for our story today to know that during this time when I was doing a lot of the work in the space I was doing, I was not sober. I was doing quite a bit of drinking and a fair amount of drug taking, and yet I was still producing at some level doing okay. Um, This was fully in the throes of, oh, I'm addicted and high-functioning while slowly the rest of my life is falling apart and I'm hiding it and failing to and becoming more and more of a junkie. But I was still having fun with my friends at the time And I was still winning awards and and still doing what I wanted to do, even if it was really hard to, like, keep the lights on or um, be like everybody else. But the point of this is um, I worked on a game that was very, very popular that had nothing to do with dragons and or dungeons. And I'm very, very proud of that game. And I'm very, very fond of all the people who I worked with to help, you know, they did the majority of the development. I contributed a little, did some editing, and then later went on to write supplements and other pieces for it. I I look back on that, this one game in particular, Knight's Black Agents, incredibly, incredibly fondly, um, both because of when I, where I was at in my life at the time and who I worked with and just sort of the the groundswell of what kind of cool shit can you do when you're writing a game about like Jason Bourne and Mission Impossible fighting vampires in Cthulhu. It's a pretty rad mix that's very much uh, in my wheelhouse. So I worked on this game and I did a lot of, as I did the entire time I was working in role-playing games, I did a lot of writing off the books. I I had a lot of free time because shockingly when you're not making much of a living, you have a lot of downtime in between projects. So in this free time, I would fill it with more gaming. I would write tons of ideas. Ooh, what about an adventure with this? What about this? What about that? What if this happened? What if that happened? Just a constant generative process of all this different stuff on notebooks and legal pads and on the inside margin of other games and really wherever I could 
I would, you know, think gaming and create rules and think about mechanics and think about how to incorporate stuff. And it was, it was a lot of fun, but at the same time, independent of my drinking or drug taking, it was a very masturbatory exercise. It was just kind of see how smart I am. I made up all this shit. And, and the fact that I was drinking and, and pilling and doping so frequently uh, makes a lot of that sort of process very fuzzy in my head. There are years where I barely remember anything more than a little bit here and a little bit there, a conversation, maybe a snapshot, still picture memory. But by and large, uh, a lot of that's lost to my Swiss cheese brain. And time passed and I, I got out of gaming because uh, things had moved on. I moved on and uh, I lost my taste for it because of the, just a number of things. But sobriety played a big factor. I honestly thought uh, that I couldn't do as well as I did in gaming be, while sober. Like I thought sobriety took my creativity from me. I think we've talked about that in the early days of this podcast. But um, I had all these notes. I had all these notebooks. And I, I packed them into totes. And I shoved them in a box. And then I stuffed them in a closet. And I, I didn't really think anything of it. And wherever I would go, whatever I would move or, or, or reorganize furniture or whatever, I kept the totes around. And after, you know, enough years, I kind of forgot what was in them because they're not labeled. They're just totes sitting in a closet. And how often do we really stop and think about those boxes way, way off in the corner? Just I just kind of assumed like, oh, that's, you know, books probably or, you know, just random shit I had collected from years. So... In the course of this most recent sort of cleaning spree, when I was looking for actual stuff I needed for a client because they were, we were I was coaching and I needed to reference some books and I thought, oh, I know I have a copy of this one book. Let me let me get it out of the closet and I'll I'll mail it to them and it'll really help them. So I tear open the closet. I start digging around. I do find the book and send it to them, but I also find this tote of gaming stuff. Now, for the last couple of years, I haven't really wanted to game. It it was this sort of distant thing where my only real engagement with gaming was watching actual plays or listening to podcasts, sort of a detached, you know, viewer of things. Uh, not in a weird parasocial way, but just more in a like a, wow, look at those people, they're having fun. I feel like I'm not allowed to have that kind of fun anymore. That time of my life is gone. So I'm watching it fondly, you know, with nostalgia, the good old days when I was the high school quarterback and, you know, all the cheerleaders loved me, you know, that kind of shit, the glory days guy. And I, I, I didn't, it hurt. I'll just say that it hurt. It hurt to have carved that part of me or locked that part of me away because I felt I didn't deserve that good feeling. And I felt like that time had passed and to go back to it would be to reopen some wounds and re-examine some things and try to reconnect with a community that has, I believe, forgotten about me. And rightfully so, I was an asshole. I'm not always worth remembering. And I, I missed it. I mourned. I grieved for a very long time the absence of this outlet for creativity. And here I was sitting on my office floor with a box open and books laid out and notepads. And I realized that these were not like an office supply box of just empty shit I could use. I had notes 
for years, tons of ideas, all written during the the dark times when I was barely sober and seldom like clear headed. So I sit down, I start going through these things, and I, I it rekindles in me a sense of joy and wonder. This idea of like, hey, I'm in control of my schedule now. I have a pretty good schedule. I have, you know, a pretty regular free night or two. I bet I could find some like-minded people and just play a game. Not not to make content, not to get on the internet with it, not to try and monetize it. What if I just played a game? Like legit went back to just playing and being silly and creative. What if I gave myself that outlet regularly. Wouldn't that feel better? It would push back on some of this loneliness. It would push back on some of this frustration, right? And I wrestled with that for a little while because, again, felt like I didn't deserve it. Felt like I hadn't earned it. Felt like I hadn't worked hard enough to get there. And I I, I realized, well, there's no harm in at least going through the notes. Let's see if I could, in theory, put together something. And if I have material here, let's see if we could organize. Maybe it's just a one shot. Maybe it's just a, you know, shoot the moon one time, put it all, you know, put one all the chips on the board and spin the wheel once and whatever happens, happens. So I, I start going through these notes. And I don't know if you've ever, like, gotten really drunk and then left yourself a voicemail or if you've had an edible or two and you write yourself a note in the middle of the night and then you wake up the next morning and you, you don't know what the hell you said because it's either not a whole sentence or it's, it's unreadable in whatever way, shape, or form. That's, that's the kind of experience I had where I have maybe a dozen notepads, legal pads, a whole, bi- whole three-ring binder of just pages of read handwriting that I know is mine because I shaped the letters that way, but it it's not whole sentences. It's barely fragments of thoughts. Let me let me read you two just so that you, you can kind of get a sense of this. Ready? 80s shopping mall, nine foot tall vampire. No, that doesn't that doesn't immediately cue up for you the idea I had in mind. How about airplane hanger tentacles? I think that says tentacles. I'm not entirely sure. But again, it's just disparate facts. Then at one point, I have an entire two-page like street geography for Dublin, Ireland. I've never been to Dublin. Uh, I've always wanted to go, but uh, I have a complete like I, part of a map drawn out. Like, go here, turn here. There's this building. Don't forget this landmark. As if I were going to like take a driving tour of the city, which is a staple of a lot of the games I would write. I would get very detailed and then hit landmarks and make it feel like the players were there. But there's no context for it. It's not like, ah, this far into the adventure, they'll go to Dublin. There's there's no notes. There's no anything. So this sense of pursuit in coming back to what moves you and what drives you and what matters to you. I want to get back into gaming. I want to create a game group that's just me and a bunch of friends just kicking around some ideas and having some laughs. Turned into this discovery of who or what I am and who or what I was. And I'm reading this stuff and it makes no sense. It's it's like trying to watch a television show in a language that has no subtitles and the the main language isn't one you speak where you're just sort of picking up 
vague hint, hints and snatches of words and maybe an idea and and it feels like the wild ravings of someone long ago like a different person made this and i've just the 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 messages in bottles have all washed ashore next to me i don't mind it it's been a fun challenge it's been a little frustrating to to sit down today for instance at the time i'm recording this and write out 26 pages of notes only to discover that about like Three of them are are really full, intelligible, well-developed thoughts, and the other 23 pages are just me repeating myself five different ways. But I like it. I don't remember doing it the first time. I don't remember what my intent was. I didn't write myself an outline or a plan. I left no plans for future me because I just assumed that I would produce this stuff and then probably overdose. That seems about the track of my general thinking at the time. So to discover this stuff now, it's sort of like I found a lost civilization. The, the point of this story, other than to tell you that, hey, I, I think I, I want to get my friends together and play some games. The, the point of this story is that there are going to be times where you need to sit down and have a tough moment with yourself about whether or not you're going to reconnect with some part of your creativity that maybe you've walled off. For some people, maybe that's going to be that sort of childlike wonder, that permission to just make anything the fuck up and be silly and don't, don't mask. I spent years, decades of my life masking my disabilities so that I felt like I could fit in, so that I didn't disappoint my father, so that I, I looked like everybody else, even though I never felt it and wasn't really like anybody else. Uh, I masked so that I didn't get bullied. I masked so that I could conform. I masked so that I didn't get abused. And then as I got older, I masked because I wanted people to like me. And I reached a point that I was self-medicating so that I didn't have to mask so much, so that I could have an excuse to, to cons- oh, the reason why I'm fidgety and doing this and doing that is because I'm whacked out on pills or I'm doped up or whatever. Really, I was just trying to hide everything. And there are going to be times in your creative life, going from point A to point B, where you have to confront that, look at it, evaluate it, and realize that, yeah, the the self-medicating, the self-destructing, all that, not the, not the smartest thing you could do, not by a long shot. But the underlying pain or the underlying issue or the underlying want underneath the pain is something that you can address. You want to write a book. You want to write well. You want to be a published author. You want to have a career. Part of that is going to come down to an intellectual exercise of mastering some craft, of developing some skills, of using intellectual pursuit to gain knowledge and practice. It's partially mechanized. It's partially productive. It's partially repetition. It's drilling 10,000 things to develop new kinds of muscle memory and new kinds of thought patterns. And the other part of it is absolute silliness. Now, it's silliness tempered by maturity. It's silliness focused. It's silliness encouraged. I remember being a little kid and playing around in the backyard with my friends that we were, we were different you know, movie characters and we were just running around being silly and we, we were fighting or, or we were on sides, but we didn't really do anything. There weren't mechanics. Like nobody was rolling dice. It was just, ah, you're the Terminator and I'm... 
you know, some rando other thing we had seen in a movie we shouldn't have been watching as kids. But tapping back into play, tapping back into imagination, tapping back into that sort of core creativity where you are not bound by the expectation or limitation that somebody's not going to like it or that, oh, I can't write that because it's it's too far out. Yeah, if we just indulge that and immediately like strap a seven-year-old to a typewriter, sure, that's going to be one fucked up manuscript that isn't going to get anywhere. But if we take that seven-year-old's ability to pull 10,000 disparate strings and give him permission or give them permission to, to constantly draw on a million things, well, what if this happened? Wouldn't that be cool? And what if that happened? Wouldn't that be cool? And take that information and then hand it to a more adult version of you who can synthesize that creativity, who can turn all the what-ifs and the what-abouts and, oh, shit, that's fucking rads, and that sounds like a great idea, and fuck yeah, let's do it. And you turn all those things into draft. It's the synthesis, the fusion of that childish, open-eyed, bright wonder and craft and production and technique. It's not a joyless thing. You don't have to grind yourself down to a nub in order to badly and crudely tap back into it. And you don't have to tamp down that little kid who wants to just be wild and precocious and unmasked you need to find a way of, of bridging both of them together. Letting one kid just run crazy on the, on the fuel line and the other one does all the steering and the driving. Like, that's, that's, that's what we need to be doing. And in finding these books and in reconnecting with that, I feel, rather than intimidated or bothered or annoyed or even irritated it past me that I, I thought I was just going to, you know, not be alive anymore... So it didn't really matter if I wrote myself any notes. I could be angry at, you know, that ridiculous drunk junkie. But instead, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged because, oh, most of that stuff from that time in my life, I destroyed. I was so heartbroken at, at sort of the collapse of my life and the loss of jobs and the loss of this that I, I, I mostly burnt it or trashed it or just threw it out and you know, fuck it, that part of my life is over. But to discover these notebooks, to discover this game book, to discover these things, mostly intact. I mean, they're a little bit tattered and, and, and you know, dusty and stuff. But to reconnect with that, to find that made manifest. It isn't just this vague, hazy memory I have. It's a physical book. It's right here next to the microphone. Like, that's significant to me. That means something. And I know we were supposed to be talking about risk. And we'll talk about risk tomorrow for sure. But I wanted to tell you the story. I wanted to tell you that there's real value in finding in finding the parts of you that you thought shouldn't be involved in your writing process. Because they most definitely should be. I'm very grateful that I didn't totally squash that little kid. And I'm even more grateful that that little kid doesn't so much have to mask as hard. Sure, during the workday, I got to, you know, there's a reason I don't work with a camera on so you don't see a lot of the fidgets and the gestures and the ticks. But I, I do a lot of re-recording and drafting so you don't hear a lot of the other stuff too. Um, but you can synthesize your past with your present to build a better future. And that's, that's really where I'm at today. So give that some thought, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.